right. So sufficiency, clarity, authority. Let's end this Sunday with the word uh, necessary. Why did God provide the Scripture, and why is it necessary? Of course, another word for necessary is essential. Why, is, why are the Scriptures essential? Why are they indispensable? What is it about the Bible that makes it that valuable to us, or should be that valuable to us? I'm going to give you three quick points. And like I told you, I'm promising I'm going to blow through this quickly as we wrap up these four pillars. And then Pastor Dick is going to pick up next week, bring the flawless series to a close, talking about having a love and eating the Word of God. Let me just say this, too. Um, I've had a number of people come up to me and say, Pastor, uh, I've begun reading the Scriptures. I had one uh, man come up to me and tell me that his mother, who he has encouraged for years to get into the Word, but to no avail. She has been reading the Bible every single day. I can't tell you how happy that makes me because I know, again, as we get in God's Word, as we're going to see even this morning, there is amazing benefit, essential benefit to our lives as believers. So point number one, the Bible is necessary for knowing the good news. The Bible reminds us that evangelism is not optional. It is absolutely central to our mission. Now, when I say the word necessary, I want you to think in terms of, let's just say, God forbid, there was some epidemic going around and it caused 100% death in everybody who was infected with the disease unless you received a shot that had a special antidote. How many of you know that antidote and receiving that antidote, if that was your only hope for healing, would be considered necessary, and you would do whatever it took to get a shot, would you not? You would find the doctor, you would find the money, you would do whatever it took if you were infected with a disease that had a 100% fatality rate. Well, guess what? We have a disease like that. It's called sin. And the wages of sin is death. And do some people die, or do all sinners die? All sinners die, and the Bible says that there's an eternal destination for those who die in their sin. That's what hell is. Hell is a place of eternal separation from God, where those who never took the antidote that's been freely given and freely available uh, to all who will come and partake, all who will come and taste. It's called Jesus and the blood of Jesus shed on the cross. That's the antidote. But if you knew that there were people who were dying of a disease and you knew you had the cure... In the gospel, would you not adjust your life and your lifestyle to make sure that everybody had a chance for healing and that nobody would die a needless death and spend eternity separated from Jesus Christ? Would you not do something about that? That's why we have got to keep evangelism central to why we exist. Now, we enjoy fellowship. We eat some donuts. We have some fun. We laugh a lot around here. But how many of you know our mission is dead serious. Our, our mission is essential. And sometimes churches forget why we exist. You know, we don't exist for us. We don't exist so we can all grow close and have fun and fellowship and eat donuts. How many of you know that's just all part of the journey? We're on a mission together, and the success of our mission is really determined by how well we listen to our commander, Jesus Christ, and the words that he gave us which means we have to keep mission as the heartbeat of what we're doing. I mean, our, our mission has to be focused out there, not primarily in here. And let me just say this. Your mission has to get outside of yourself 
Isn't spiritual growth wonderful? Don't we feel great when we've just enjoyed a great time of worship and we sense God's presence and we felt goosebumps? Hallelujah, I'm with you on all that. But how many of you know that's not what it's all about? It's about taking the antidote for yourself and making sure you find as many people as you can before you die to bring the antidote Jesus Christ to so that other people are going to be in heaven with you because of you. Amen? We want an inheritance that's going on ahead of us. So I'm speaking to all of us this morning. Let's make sure we put the essentials right in the center of our lives, the necessary things right in the center. And here's the logic of Scripture. I want you to follow along with me. And even before I get there, wasn't it great seeing Franklin Graham in front of a national audience at the inauguration? Um, Wow. Out of all the scriptures that one could pick to read, at an event like that where we, we, every four years we inaugurate someone who, te- who is the most powerful person on the planet as far as from an authority standpoint. And this is the verse Franklin Graham read, 1 Timothy 2.5. There is one mediator between God and man, the man Christ Jesus. What a politically incorrect statement. But let me just say this, one statement that is absolutely 100% authoritatively true, whether you like it or not, that's the Word of God. Franklin Graham read the Word as if it was really the Word spoken to us by God. And you know what he gave a national audience? An antidote for their disease. He wasn't being unloving, bigoted, narrow-minded, or unkind. He was doing the most loving thing imaginable, pointing people to the one mediator between God and man, Jesus Christ the Lord. Amen? That's the way we've got to be. And I love the talking heads beginning to dissect all the politically incorrect things that just took place. It was such a treat for me. All right. Um, Turn to Romans chapter 10, verses 13 through 17, and we want to read a critical passage of Scripture, Romans 10, 13 through 17. It says, For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. How can they call on Him to save them unless they believe in Him? And how can they believe in Christ Jesus if they've never heard about Him? And how can they hear about Jesus unless somebody tells them? And how will anybody go and tell them without being sent? That is why the Scriptures say, How beautiful are the feet of the messengers who bring good news. But not everyone welcomes the good news. For Isaiah the prophet said, Lord, who has believed our message? So faith comes from hearing, that is hearing the good news about Jesus Christ. How many of you know the reason the gospel is essential is because you will have no hope of hearing the good news about Jesus Christ as Savior if you don't read the Scripture? How many of you know you can't stare up at the sky? There will not be an airplane that flies by and says Jesus is the only way and spells it out in smoke, all right? That won't happen. There will not be some mystical snowflakes that fall to the ground and and actually spell the word Jesus before your very eyes. These things don't happen, but God has made a way for all of us to know the good news. And the way we know the good news is by reading the good news in God's book. 
And as we read the good news in God's book, there's not a person on the planet that's ever saved that hasn't heard that good news either through the written word of God or through the spoken word of God as somebody has revealed Christ to him or her. And so can you see why Scripture is important? How can people believe the gospel if they've never heard? How can they hear the gospel if somebody is not sent to them? In other words, when Jesus says he's the head and we're the body, that means we are literally the hands and feet of Jesus Christ. If we're not doing our job, there are people who are not getting the antidote and there are people who are dying and spending an eternity separated from the Lord. This is some serious, weighty stuff we're talking about here today. Saving faith comes as a result of hearing the good news about Jesus and having the power of that news explode in your heart and give you a revelation that is supernaturally created by the Holy Spirit, gives us a revelation that Jesus Christ is Savior and Lord. Listen to John fourteen six, another terribly politically correct passage of Scripture. I am the way, Jesus says. I am the truth, Jesus says. I am the life. Nobody can get to God the Father except through Jesus Christ. Jesus said he was the door. There's not a person on planet earth that's going to experience eternity with the Father that hasn't gone through the door, Jesus Christ. There aren't other ways. There is no such thing as the coexist bumper sticker in real life. Uh, All faiths are not equal. We don't all worship the same God. These are all myths that popular culture likes to spew out there to relativize truth and to diminish the authority of God. Don't let that happen. There is one mediator. There is one way. There is one truth. There is one life. His name is Jesus. He said this, not me. Jesus said this, and Jesus speaks with authority. Acts chapter 4, verse 12. Here's another politically incorrect verse. There is salvation in no one else. God has given no other name under heaven by which men must be saved. How are you saved? Say the name with me. Jesus. How are we saved? Jesus. 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 We sang about the power in the name of Jesus today. How many of you know if you're sitting here today, you're a miracle of God's mercy and grace? You didn't find him. He found you. And this is weighty stuff for me. Why me? Why am I saved? Why do I have the blessing of knowing Christ? Well, I don't know. Sometimes I just raise my hands and worship like you and say, thank you, Lord. But how many of you know it does one thing? It puts a sense, a mantle of responsibility on each one of us. The Bible says, freely you have received. Now freely do what? Give it away. Who is it that God has put in your life that he wants you to share the antidote with? Who is it that you carry the good news that they may only hear from you? Who is it that you work with that God's put right, they put them right next to you so that God knew you would share them and show them what Jesus looks like, what the gospel looks like. You know, it's exciting to go. You know, that's why I love what Pastor Dick and Susie are doing with this special focus, not on places that have already been reached and already have a gospel presence, but how many of you know it's really exciting to blaze trails and to be a part of reaching nations that have never heard the gospel or have a very small witness of the gospel and to know that living stones could have an impact in, in, in entire nations uh, destiny. Isn't that awesome? It's weighty. It's serious. And every time we have a chance to go, you know, like, like going to Cambodia, this Cambodia trip is a whirlwind. 
whirlwind of a trip. We're leaving on a Saturday. We get back on a Saturday. It takes two days to get there. We're teaching for, for three days from nine in the morning to nine at night. It's a joke what we're trying to cover. And then we're going to get on an airplane and hurry up and fly back so that we can be here by Saturday so we can get back into church on Sunday. All right? How I many know? Don't ever call this a vacation. You might get slapped. All right? Um, <laughs> someone shot me an email. I said, oh, I forgot you're on vacation next week, Pastor. They were serious. You know, that, I was like, Cambodia is not my choice of vacation, let me tell you. Although, you know what makes it a vacation? The people that will be waiting for us. And knowing, listen to me, knowing that our investment in those men of God and women of God will not be in vain. It will have a multiplicative effect as it goes from those folks to spreads across that nation. And listen, why do, why do we come up here? Why do we have hands laid on us? Why do you join in prayer? Because you are sending us, which means the fruit there is your fruit, which means when we stand before God on the great day, we're all partying because there's going to be a lot of people saying thank you because God's going to connect the dots for us. And we're going to be able to see the impact of what obedience and faith in preaching the good news does. It's going to be awesome. So I want you to share in our excitement uh, as we're partnering together to reach this nation. All right, very quickly here. I'm going to be a man of my word. Number two, the Bible is necessary for spiritual life. Necessary for spiritual life. Remember in Matthew 4.4, Jesus was rebuking some folks and he said this. He said, no, he goes, the scriptures say... People don't live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. Jesus called himself the bread of life, which means this. Just as you and I need food, some of you, your stomachs are reminding you right now that you're going to eat in a very short amount of time. You're going to eat again. God has arranged it so that our stomachs talk to us and remind us how dependent and weak and needy we are. How many of you have ever been on a fast before? And you, yeah, isn't that wonderful? And you, uh, you go, you're like one day without food, and you feel like a serial killer on the inside. You know what I'm talking about? You're like, praise the Lord, I'm fasting. I, I know this is good for my soul, but don't talk to me right now. I want to kill you. All right, you've got a headache. You start having fantasies about pizza. Um, people start coming up with creative things like, Pastor, I'm on a liquid diet. If I blend this quarter pounder with cheese and turn it into, does that count as a liquid? Say, Pastor, how do you know that? I've had the same fantasies myself. All right. The point is this. We don't have to go without food for but a tiny time. And man, we're so whiny. And you remember in the, in the Old Testament when the children of Israel were going through the desert, right? And God purposely put them on a fast. And they wanted to kill the leaders. They wanted to go back to Egypt. Like, put the chains on me. Just give me some broccoli. I mean, they were even longing for leeks. Are you kidding me? What is a, what is a leek? I know what leeks are, but we don't eat them at our house. We got them in all of our bathrooms, our roof. We've had them everywhere. All right. The purpose of us having this fit when we don't get bread is because God's trying to teach us not about bread. He's trying to teach us about spiritual life. And I'm, here's what I want to tell you guys. If you go three days without being in your word, I hope you're so crabby that you can. I have got, where's my Bible? I have got to get centered in the presence of God once again. I hope you have those kind of hunger pains for the presence of God. 
Because I'll just tell you this. This is, this, is, this is the truth. If somebody offered you and I a billion dollars or the scripture, I hope you don't make the wrong choice. Because the word of God contains what you need to live forever. To experience eternal life and, hear me, abundant life. Eternal life and the life to come. Abundant life now. Here's my point. Do you view the Bible like that? Let's just say, some of you, if you, were, if you had to be on oxygen, if you had to be breathing oxygen or you were dead, and how many of you know people like that carry that thing around and they don't like lose it because it's important? They don't, where did my oxygen tank go? You know, I know I, it's got to be somewhere in the bedroom. Some, no, you don't do that. You watch it because it's necessary for life. What, what if this is your oxygen tank for spiritual life? Where's that Bible? I know, I, I read it, I, I'm sure I read it at least six months ago. It's got to be around here somewhere. If that's your approach to the Word of God, you're, you're going to be anemic. You're going to be on life support spiritually, and you can't do that. Listen to what the Word says. This is Deuteronomy 32, verse 7. I'm sorry, this should be a, for, verse 47. It's a typo, my mistake. Deuteronomy 32, verse 47, not verse 7. Make that correction if you're taking notes. These instructions, uh, Moses says, are not empty words. They are your life. By obeying them, you will enjoy a long life in the land that you will occupy when you cross the Jordan River. God said this through Moses. The instructions I'm giving you are to bring life to you. They are your life. If you'll follow them, they're the key to your success in life. Isn't that awesome? In Deuteronomy, I'm skipping along here. Deuteronomy 31.11 We are instructed to read the book of instruction before all of Israel was supposed to gather and listen to the book of instruction. 1 Timothy 4.13 says this, Paul says, Until I get there, focus on reading the scriptures to the church. Focus on reading the scriptures to the church. Why the focus on reading the scriptures to the church? Because it's our lifeline spiritually. We need the word of God. And lastly, let me end with point number three here. The Bible is necessary for knowing God's will, and in particular for knowing that Jesus is the Savior. Now let me talk about general revelation versus special revelation. An unbelieving person is going to be held accountable for the degree of revelation that God says they should have simply from, from breathing and paying attention. Okay, If you breathe and pay attention... How many of you know there will be a gorgeous sunset that you will see that will absolutely take your breath away, and you'll just go, wow. I mean, have any of you ever just stopped in your tracks and pull out your phone and you just start taking pictures? I see you on Facebook, all right? I do the same thing. How many of you know you see the beauty of God all around you? You can look up in the sky and you can see the planets are moving around at the same, at the same way every year. Same time, that, you're going to see that star there, you're going to see that planet there. Same time, how does that happen? It's like there is order in the natural realm. Do any of you like watching a good storm come in, besides me? I love a storm. I, I would take my kids with me, we go out on the front porch, we watch the tree branches fall off, lightning, streets flooding. I'm like, isn't this awesome? And then I remember one time in, in uh, Tipton, Indiana, a lightning bolt hit so close that we about jumped off the porch, and I'd said in my wisdom as a dad, I think we better go inside now. All right, I, I brought them inside when it got that close. But I love watching that stuff. Do any of you ever see a snowflake under a microscope? What a work of art. 
Do any of you ever watch yourself scab when you got a cut? Wow, it's scabbed. Yeah, that's what I'm talking about. It's a miracle. How does that happen? There's enough of the power and wisdom and beauty of God just by looking around that the Bible says not a single person is going to be able to give an excuse to God and say, well, you know, I just didn't believe you because you didn't really give enough evidence. In fact, the Bible calls, listen to me, the Bible calls atheists liar, liar, pants on fire. I'm paraphrasing that. (laughs) What it says is this. Every person that runs around being a bold atheist, God says you're a liar. Because the created realm reveals the greatness and glory of God. And listen, your conscience confirms the truth about God. How many of you know you can go up to somebody, if, I, if I'm out on the streets and I grab a nice little lady and I start pummeling her and throwing her to the ground and stomping on her, you will not find one person from any culture in the world that would not look at that and go, you know what, that guy shouldn't be doing that to that lady. You know why? Conscience. Because you're made in the image of God. You know what, if we talked about something as terrible as sexual abuse to children, there's not a culture on this planet that thinks that abusing children sexually is a good thing. Where do they get that knowledge from? You're made in the image and likeness of God. Your heart tells you that's not right. I mean, you know, it's amazing to watch atheists talk about, talk about how bad it is to lie. You little lying atheist. Where'd you come up with that idea? Oh, because you're made in the image and likeness of God, and your own conscience condemn you. Isn't it amazing that we have marches where people go to Washington, D.C., who don't believe in God, and they march for justice? (laughs) Where did justice come from? From what single cell amoeba did that come from? You know why you have a cry for justice? Because you're made in the image and likeness of God, but you keep rebelling against Him because you don't want to submit to Him. But God says this, and everybody needs to hear me. The Bible says in Romans 1, men and women are without excuse. Nobody anywhere on planet Earth that's ever breathed a breath is going to be able to say, well, God did not demonstrate his presence or his reality enough for me. God says, oh, yes, I have. And you know what? Because of the authority of God, I'm going with him. How about you? I'm going with him. But here's the key thing I want to end with. You know, here, Psalm 19.1, the heavens proclaim the glory of God. The skies display his workmanship. Here's the key. General revelation does not reveal God's work as, his, as redeemer, but it reveals his work as creator. So here's the point. Why is it that 90-some percent of the people on planet Earth believe in some kind of God? Here's the answer. General revelation. They know that they didn't get here by themselves. They see the power of God in nature. Why do people worship the sun? Why do people worship uh, the water? Why do people worship all these other things that God made, the created realm? Because there's power there. They see this is power in these things. Where did they come from? Why are they here? But here's the key thing. You'll never understand Jesus as Redeemer unless you crack open this book right here. You You won't see Jesus as Redeemer from looking at the sky. You won't see Jesus as Redeemer by being in awe of a hurricane. You won't see Jesus as Redeemer by looking at how this amazing body human operates and the incredible complexity of the human body. But all those things will point you to an intelligence with a capital I 
And if you'll say, you know what, there must be a God, guess what? You're on the verge of finding Him. But you'll never find Him by name. You'll never know what He's like. You'll never experience His goodness and His mercy. You'll never see the purpose of Jesus and the cross until you open this book and until you read about the greatness and glory of this amazing God who created everything. And then after we fell and got infected with a terminal disease, sent His Son Jesus not only to redeem us, but to redeem the cosmos for his glory. You know, the whole beautiful picture of God's great heart from beginning to end is contained in this book, which is why, you know, we're going to receive, next week we're receiving a special offering that goes to all the pro-life efforts out of this house. And I want you to give generously. But you know what? We're going to receive another offering in a few weeks after that. And you know what it's going to be for? Bibles. I love taking offerings for Bibles. You know, we're going to be going to Pakistan this year. New country, never been to Pakistan. Um... And a contact that we have there ministers to kids that are serving in the brick kiln all day long. These kids make bricks all day long. They're poor kids. That's what they do the rest of their lives. For the most part, they'll be illiterate, uh, and they they have a cruddy life, all right? That's that's their life. But you know what? These people take the gospel to them, and they disciple them. And this this is why I like this guy. He says, we need money for Bibles. Yeah, how many know a Bible can transform a nation? A Bible is a blueprint for the Pakistanis that if they'll read this and pull the, pr- the, the principles from this, they can rebuild a nation in, in, in God's way and bring blessing to generations to come. I love sowing into the Bible. It's a great thing to do. So we usually bless the Gideons. Aren't you grateful the Gideons are still going all the nations of the world and handing out Bibles? Praise God for the, for the Gideons. Um, we want to make sure that there's a Bible in every single language and tongue so people can do just what we have the opportunity to do every week. Open their Bibles, read the Bible, receive life, hope, healing, whatever Jesus has to bring, we can receive it through his word. And so let's never take this for granted. Love the Bible. I saw a lady that read through the Bible. She was in her, her late in her years, missionary stateswoman, and she stood on stage in front of thousands of people and she just went, mwah, 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 and she was repeatedly kissing her Bible. I was a teenager at the time. I thought she was weird. All right. Now that I'm older, I think she's absolutely sane. Thank God we don't have to walk around in blindness and darkness that we know the truth and the truth makes us free. Amen. Hey, let's love the Bible this year. Love Jesus. But not just the words. Let's encounter God and his son through the words by the power of the Holy Spirit. Let's let our hearts burn like we sang today. Man, God set me on fire. Burn, burn, burn. Let's let the word of God in us set us on fire. Amen.